0: Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario, coming to you from the Other London.
1: Let's start the show. Hello everybody and welcome to GradCast. I'm your host Alex Malinsky, and today I'm joined by Julia, my co-host. How are you
2: today? I'm good. How are you, Alex?
1: pretty darn good. good. Got the blue microphone this week so Love I'm super excited. Love your t-shirt,
2: DNA, the uh, DNA. building blocks of life.
1: It does, I think it says the, the code, the code of, life of life on the bottom and it's got a picture of DNA so yeah it's exciting. It's a great t-shirt. Fun t-shirts, I like them. Um, <laughs> how are you?
2: I'm good but the better question is how is our guest Matthew Becker?
0: Very well. Thanks for having me.
2: You are so welcome. You are a uh, third-year PhD student in music or composition, rather.
0: Yeah, music composition. Music
2: composition. Okay.
0: My shirt is not quite as exciting, unfortunately. It's quite (laughs) mysterious, the
2: plain black v-neck, but...
0: The mystery.
2: Yeah, the mystery behind it all. (laughs) But before we get into, you know, what you do now, I'd really like to know how you got here, and can you kind of... Tell Alex and I and our listeners your path to Western at this time.
0: Sure. Um, well, I am initially uh, here from London, but um, I did my undergraduate degree um, at McMaster in Hamilton.
2: Hammertown, Nice. Yeah, good place.
0: Absolutely. Um, I did my master's degree actually out west uh, the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. Cool. Studying with um, Hungarian composer Júlia Chapo helped me along the way to get my master's in composition. Great. Um, did a fair bit of work there, submitted an application to uh, Western in the fall of 2012, right as I was defending my master's thesis, so that wasn't stressful at all. Oh, my gosh, for <laughs> sure. Oh, God. But, unfortunately, they made me a really good offer and happy to be here ever since, so. Great. Yeah. It was
1: just an offer you couldn't refuse. Absolutely.
2: So, not to jump right into this, but if you had to define what composition meant to a person on the street or just any kind of person, really like like Alex and I, who, I don't know, I can speak maybe for only myself, but I'm not quite sure what that entails. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Oh, boy.
0: Um, (laughs) Where do you start, eh? Exactly. Well, the best part about it is you get to write whatever you want.
2: Interesting. And
0: really, it, well, the most convincing thing you can do as, as a composer, it's easy to sell your own product, or more or less, if it's exactly what you want. Personally, I write music that I myself would like to listen to, and it's much easier to describe my processes and what it is about the pieces that I'm writing if I myself like what I'm doing. So.
2: So you describe composing as writing and as products. Is it like for Alex and I, who are science people, you know, conducting our research and presenting those results? Or are there certain timelines and things that you really have to uh, conform to? Or is it just willy-nilly, I'm feeling this way right now (laughs) and I'll just compose this but not do anything next week (laughs) or tomorrow?
0: Possibly. Okay. Um, Um, We do have um, performance opportunities here at the university. Um, There's the Chamber Music Initiative, where there are a list of different ensembles that you get to write for. You get to meet the ensembles, you get to hear the types of music that they themselves are performing. You get to ask them questions about their own instruments, the instrumentations, like if you wanted to do something specific. Um, Essentially you can, well sure you can write willy-nilly, but um, you want to be able to get performances of what you're writing. So, you take whoever's available, whoever's willing, interested in what you want to do, and get that performance opportunity.
2: Okay, so it's kind of like a a team association where you kind Mm -hmm. of recruit players who can fill a certain role for you. Yes.
1: So, let's say you've you've assembled your team, so to speak. (laughs) Um, To what extent, then, do do your compositions reflect um, your feelings, Let's say versus your thoughts, versus what I don't know how it works. Uh, if you're told to to compose something in in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, how mm-hmm. how do those three things, or even more things, uh, sort of coalesce together into what ends up being the final product? Just
2: interesting, asking
0: question. Do you mean with regards to? Um, what the performers themselves might expect, or what perhaps my supervisors might expect, or just I'm not just in general, in general. yeah.
1: In, so, like, what uh, from what what you imagine as your brainchild, I guess, to to what comes out, um, what parts of of you and and everyone else
0: kind of go into it. Um, just speaking from my own experiences, when it comes to certain ensembles, I look at the types of repertoire that um, that's available. To sort of see what's been happening in the past twenty or thirty years or so to see, you know, kind of what's been going on, what might be new. Um, on top of that, it's putting into play the types of ideas that I want to bring forward with this type of ensemble. Um, what else? Uh, <laughs> that's kind of a loaded question, so so bear with me. It's a very loaded um, question, no. How about it? try to you know write something that performers might like or something that i myself would like to write as well so yeah
1: okay that's that's really good but sorry if that, that wasn't. <laughs> that's fine that's, uh, that's a it's it. a kind of an abstract question yeah um and but but from from what it sounds like almost and just as a as a scientist um it sounds a lot like what what I would be doing as a scientist, so I'd be, you know, I'd have a task that I kind of want to accomplish. Um, I'd have certain tools available to me. I look at what the thought process has been again for the past mm-hmm. twenty or thirty years, and then right. I design my experiment uh, to move forward. So it's actually really cool that that your process as a composer um, is kind of similar to uh, that of science. So like the to me right now the lines are being blurred. It's really cool, and, and as a blurred
2: lines. <laughs> Can't have enough of those.
1: Yeah. So so no, that is really cool. Um, and yeah.
2: Yeah. I I <laughs> was really so I'm really interested. You your compositions or your research or studies involve um, kind of mixing these contrasts of electric acoustic mm-hmm. instrumentation right. or processing versus conventional instrumentation. And, you know, can we, can you talk about that a little bit and in the back of your mind, um, can you draw upon maybe this theme of contrast in your life and if that's influenced your choice to choose these two kind of opposing sounds to really communicate or express yourself?
0: Sure. Um, The idea of contrasting ideas um, musically, whether it's um, harmonic gesturing or melodic gesturing, the idea of having two ideas completely contrasting one another, i like them to be as opposing as possible, because in that way, you develop a bit of drama, or you develop some sort of dialogue between multiple music ideas. That's the sort of thing that I find particularly interesting. And with electroacoustic instruments, what's really fascinating about those is you can actually create sounds that conventional instrumentation can't. So you're taking, or you actually have the opportunity to create something completely foreign and completely unlike, say, the sound of a trumpet or a clarinet, if you were to do some um, something completely strong or crass, for example, uh, with electroacoustic sounds.
1: So what do you mean by electroacoustic instruments and sounds?
0: Electroacoustic sounds, um, sounds that are synthesized, generated either electronically or sounds um, that are processed through um, through software. So you can pre-record a sound, for instance, you can pre-record your voice, you can put it into a piece of software and transform that. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. As some, as some examples, it's... I'm not trying to make it seem as simple as it could be. It's, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more to it.
2: <laughs> I am sure, but it sounds like, you know, you mentioned the words idea. You mentioned mm-hmm. dialogue. You mentioned writing. So these are all things which, to me, resonate with the underlying theme of communication. And, you know, we talked about this um, a little bit in the preamble about about music and composition as a form of communicating. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe a question that Alex had kind of asked you previously was, you know, are you able to effectively communicate what you had in mind versus the final product. And even more than that, you know, how do you, how do you sense or intuit or kind of put forth this communication in the form of of music and sounds? which is very evident when you listen to your pieces. You can sense that there might be something approaching or looming or this sadness. And it's just so evident that there's a person on the other end of this creating this and really speaking to me in this form.
0: Okay. Um, one uh, technique that I um, like to put into play is slowly developing certain ideas at a time. So at first I can introduce one small motivic gesture or a melodic figure in whole or in part. And depending on how that develops um, sort of um, depends on what's happening with this other idea that I introduce. A contrasting idea for example. So the initial idea may not necessarily be fully stated or fully developed until this other idea comes in. So that's kind of how I try to put forward this idea of dialogue, this communication between these two ideas where one cannot really fully develop without the other.
2: Wow, that is so interesting. Cool, are you working on any new pieces right now?
0: Um, At the moment, yeah, I'm actually composing a piece for uh, six voices with some uh, electroacoustic processing, so that's going to be my big dissertation project.
2: Interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: So, for your dissertation project, what, what, does, that, what does that mean? Um, I know that as a science student for me, I have to do a series of studies that are you know, broadly related and then tie it together as kind of one, one story. Um, how, how is that contract or how does that work in, in music composition?
0: Um, well, what I'm doing right now, I'm looking at various different pieces, uh, electroacoustic pieces, pieces with electronic music, and since I'm also working with voice, I'm looking at different song cycles, different um, genres of voice. So for example, there's the oratorio, and there's also the cantata, which are kind of of set up to be stage pieces where there's actual plots and characters and drama, but there's no actual stage setting, so there's no costumes or anything. So I'm thinking along those lines mostly because it'll, like again, just sort of going back to what we discussed before, I want to have the likeliest performance opportunity. Mm. So if there's no expensive stage production involved that's going to be a lot easier to put together. So. For sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So you actually, I have here your program notes yes. uh, from from one of your pieces, "To explode or not," <laughs> um, and and one of the um, things that that you have here in your notes is two actors dressed in oppositely colored attire mm-hmm. sit, and read, and perform gestures with the blank expressions based on the events in the accompanying music. So, to to what extent um, in in your musical composition. Is there also components like this, where there, there might be a stage and, and accompanying visuals? Um, how, how often do you do things like that uh, in your composition? How often is it it's kind of a, I don't want to say pure audio, because I feel right. like that detracts from what you're doing. But how often is it, is it more of a based on sounds versus based on visuals and sounds?
0: Now this piece was kind of um, kind of interesting because it was the first time I'd actually had some sort of stage production involved with it. Because when I was designing this piece, all of the the sound events were pre-produced in in Pro Tools, but um, we wanted to have a live component as well. Otherwise, you're just sitting in a concert hall listening to. It's like coming in and pressing play, and then that's it. And so when you're writing electroacoustic music, it's generally preferred that you have some sort of live component so that there isn't this disconnect. Mm. And what I initially wanted to do with this particular piece was to have um, a keyboard part to be played live along with um, the pre processed electroacoustic sounds. But it wasn't working out quite as well because I thought um, the piece that I had assembled on its own with all the preprocessed um, things sounded strong enough as a st- standalone work, so to speak. So I thought, why not have actors on stage? And it actually generated a fair bit of discussion in, in the class that I was in that I wrote this for.
2: Cool, so that was your own idea, to mm-hmm. have people on stage acting this mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That is very interesting because, yeah, it comes back to this kind of story that you're trying to, to tell everybody through the music that you produce, and uh, you you have a really nice opportunity to really hit that home with... Having people kind of, you know, act out those precise m- movements or something on stage, so mm-hmm. that's really cool.
1: That actually sounds like it was a ton of fun to do. So like that's that's kind of amazing. Um, so we're starting to come come to an end here, but I, I want to ask one question that it's a little different than what we've been discussing. But what uh, kind of almost to come right back to the start? What drew you to music? What uh, what kind of drives you to to study music I, and you're doing your, your PhD now, your third degree um, in music and, and what really uh, started that and continues to drive that passion?
0: That's a good question. You're making me think many many years ago. <laughs> um, just thinking growing up we always had music in the house. We were always exposed to it in some capacity. Um, my father was a guitarist. My sister and I both took piano lessons when we were young, branched out, tried a couple of different instruments. Um, for some reason, I always liked listening to music. I was always drawn in by the idea of writing music, and especially um, like when I started university, oh, Jesus, going back to 2004. But by that time, music making software was becoming quite popular and fairly inexpensive, and I've always liked working in software. What I tell a lot of people is, well, if I didn't get into music, I would probably be doing something in software engineering. Um, and that's probably why I'm doing something in electroacoustic music now, because I get to play around with software and see what I can do to make sure that it doesn't crash while I'm trying to work on these things as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was the immersion at a, at a young age and, you know, just being encouraged to, to keep continuing in this. So, yeah.
2: What a wonderful story.
1: Yeah, it's really cool that you get to, to mix sort of your your passions uh, with your sort of upbringing and also your uh, your work now. So that's yeah. really amazing. Um, well, I think that's about all the time we have, but thank you so much for coming on to GradCast. We'd love to hear from you again. It's
2: such a pleasure, yes. And, okay, thank you.
1: Uh, Thanks so much. All right. Thank you very much, Matthew. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share with
0: someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin MacLeod, and we will see you guys next time.